welcome back to Nervous Rex, a Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast that is 50% rewatch, 50% first time watch, and 100% worthy of love. Aww. I turned I turned it on the on the head of because I I said the Netflix version on a previous episode, and now you have context for that. Uh, my name is Joe. I use any and all pronouns. I'm joined as always by Chris. I'm Chris. I use he and pronouns. And just to update y'all on my pandemic status, I am recording this podcast in a robe with a big jar of peanut butter on my desk next to the, the computer. Hell yeah. Having, having three empty cups is outdated. It's peanut butter jar time, y'all. <laughs> uh, I, I threw away my, my soylent bottle, so now I'm just down to uh, lukewarm coffee and water. What's funny is that it's big jar of peanut butter time is actually the second subtitle for this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the beginning and the end, or knocking on heaven's door, or, or. <laughs> peanut butter jar time. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many fucking titles on this one. Uh huh. Yeah, every uh, you know it's it's kind of weird that uh, nobody talks about how peanut butter jelly time is an Evangelion reference. <laughs> but uh, Kaworu comes out in a in a big uh, banana suit. What are you gonna they, do? With, yeah, the fucking mo- monsters, the Avas are fucking dancing around. Mm-hmm. It's wild to me that Kaworu is such a big part of Eva culture, despite being in only one episode. I mean, like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, no, hell of an episode. Uh, Maybe one of my favorite episodes of television ever. I hesitated to say that until I rewatched it, but now that I've seen it, I'm like, yep, nope, still, still something else. I, I realized mid-watching that we were watching the director's cut. I don't know if we've been watching all the director's cut versions of, like, 20 through 24, but I know definitely 24 we did. And we'll talk about what was added in specifically the director's cut but i believe this is the part of the show where we get to talk about context i thought it was going to wait until end of eva but now that i'm realizing that we're watching director's cuts i guess i need to talk about it now uh i believe all the director's cuts came out on like the like dvd release like the platinum release or some shit there's a million re-releases of this show uh to, uh, to fucking ano's dismay evangelion makes a lot of money so yeah. they keep releasing it a lot of the context stuff I will be saving for our mailbag reflection episode. Uh, I'll be talking about the various re-releases, Revival, Rebirth, Death True. I'm going to watch them all. I'm going to talk about them. I'm not going to subject Chris to all of them because most of it's just, hey, we recut the show into a movie six different ways. Huh. But I've never seen them, and I'd like to be able to speak to them. Uh, I've also become friends with a uh, a bit of a... a, a, a I don't, I don't know if I want to say Gynex expert, lore expert of, of this shit, but there's a lot to talk about with Gynex as a company and the way it split off into like four other fucking companies um, and how that is a big part of Evangelion's whole deal. But uh, probably talk about some of that on the on the Gunbuster episode and then the Reflection episode, whichever. I don't know which one's going to come first at this point, but it's a big fucking deal. Ano, Ano's a, a big deal for... Uh, the animation industry of, of Japan and uh, Gynex and uh, every other company that's spiraled out of Gynex. Does Ano actually not want Evangelion to make money or is that just like... Uh, I mean, my understanding of it is, you know, he he makes his show. He makes it the only way that he can. This is, this is the part of the show where, like, you know, he's really struggling with depression and this Clearly. is the show where he... And he uh, deals with it in the text. This episode, I think, is very personal uh especially and uh, uh, you know we haven't watched 24 or tw- we haven't watched 25 and 26 yet i've i've made it clear that fan response is negative to the ending of the show and uh the thing is that it makes so much money that movies get greenlit 
and he makes them, and he makes them in spite of their success. We'll probably talk about it on the end of Eve episode, but because it because that leads to some decisions in that movie. But yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I don't know like how much he wanted to make the rebuild movies versus the fact that they exist now, and the fact that like they they keep they keep getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And uh, I don't I don't know if considering everything that's going on, if uh, the 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 fourth rebuild movie will still come out this summer um or if it will be delayed because it's been delayed another couple times anyways we'll get into that at a, at a later date i've been planning to watch all of ano's work so far that has included his fan film he made in college for ultraman which is surprisingly good and uh he animated a part in the end of nausicaa of the valley of the wind have you seen that movie no i haven't it's uh it's it's Miyazaki's second movie. Um but he for people who have seen it uh Anno I as far as I know the like I he animated stuff at the end but uh specifically at the large like giant thing that's like melting uh and you can kind of tell when you're looking at it huh that kind of has Anno's name written on it. But yeah, he he was kind of a protege of Miyazaki and uh weirdly enough I didn't know this until recently that he Ano just voices the lead character in The Wind Rises. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about Ano's career on a, on a later episode. I, I was going to say that I can't really see the like the thread between them, and I thought more about Miyazaki stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can see it. Because like, his movies, at least like I'm thinking of like, um, what's the one I saw recently? Uh, Princess Mononoke is mm-hmm. um, a lot more violent and like gnarly than I think Miyazaki gets remembered for. Yeah, there's usually, like, a darkness to his movies. Like, Nausicaa is very, like, aggressively, like, can we please save this dying planet? Yeah, he's he's a, he's a director who's, like, wants to, like, cares a lot about the Earth and is uh, traumatized by war. And uh, it shows in his work. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think there's a very different aesthetic between what we associate oh, yeah, with with, uh, with Anno's stuff and, and Miyazaki's stuff. Uh, but, yeah, they, they worked together. Um, Anno's first television directing job was nadia i think we talked about that on the show before i talked about how we're not going to watch it because it's like long but like the thing with nadia is that it's based on a, on a miyazaki like story and ano is like the directing head but he doesn't really have as much control as he wants to and that's like a big struggle with him uh is like not being able to actually do the things that uh he wants to do and ends up getting projects like taken away from him which sucks he after evangelion he does uh his and his and her circumstances is that i think that's the english title kind of kind of or something um but even that like he couldn't he was very limited in what he could do directing that show because it was like right after the pokemon episode that caused seizures which you could i know likes quick cutting flashing things he sure does so i could see that being an issue but yeah I, i think that's the last time he directed television for that reason all that to say he has an interesting career i think his his arc is telling like i think even like seeing the the visual aesthetic of what he brought to nausicaa and um his fan movie for ultraman is like like it's about a father and son and it primarily focuses on like these inner government work like which is interesting it's like all right we take ultraman we're gonna focus on a bunch of fighter pilots and how like there's a fractured father-son relationship inside of it and like maybe things can still be okay in the end, and I'm like, yeah, that completely tracks to Evangelion. 
Yeah. This is going to sound stupid, but until the thing you said earlier, I had not yet considered that this show might be being made by someone who is still in the groups of, like, serious depression. Like, for some reason, I'd always read it as, like, someone who kind of, like, come out the other side and was like looking at things like retrospectively but then like once you said that then watching this episode i was like oh yeah you can feel it like that that would be a thing that could still be there yeah i think uh from what i had read before uh which is kind of like i I don't know how much of it is directly from the source but uh i think the depression started during nadia and that's kind of why he left that project or was i don't know if it was taken away from him or what um but then yeah Evangelion becomes a very personal thing as he's processing through it and it shows in this episode particularly I which we should probably start recapping which is my turn to do sure is so I'll recap what we watched and then at the end I'll point out what was added in the director's cut stuff and what might have been taken out of the Netflix cut from what I understand I feel like this was like the final payoff to the thing that was planned forever ago when we first started the podcast and people were watching (laughs) the Netflix thing like they took out gay stuff like so I figured this is the episode they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting to me talk like like talking about Evangelion as a as a gay thing and it kind of all being in one episode. Like Shinji's clearly dealing with stuff. Yeah, like he's he's dealing with masculinity, and I think people and like uh, I think people who have struggled with similar things, whether it be depression or dysphoria or various things, I think can like project themselves onto the way Shinji expresses his his trauma and be like, oh. I, I relate to this in my own way. Um, I think this is a very pointed episode that deals with sexuality. But yeah, it's all it's all in this one. It's all in 24. This is the beginning of me recapping it. And, and as far as like what was taken out of the Netflix, I, I'd lied about recapping. But as far as taken out of the Netflix, <laughs> uh, I think it's just translation. I don't know if the Netflix has the director's cut because what, what, was tra- what I know about uh, being in the... Netflix dub is like the the language they use changes like specifically when Kawori says worthy of love they change it to worthy of grace which I think is apparently a more accurate translation but I think in context of what Shinji is going through love is more effective yeah for, I think so too uh but we could talk about that um yeah after I do the recap it starts with Asuka as a kid uh it's like a uh, it, it seems to be what she's remembering or processing or just a representation of that um abstractly but she's running as a kid she's talking about how she was selected for the eva program she's so excited she'll finally have friends because she's very lonely um a very pointed line about how she'll be able to be okay even without her dad and um every time she's running like a door shuts um and then the last time the door opens and we see a silhouette of presumably the, the mother she's talking to having hung herself and then the door closes and we cut to Asuka naked in a tub. And uh, after a, a camera angle change, we realize that tub's in like a destroyed building. Uh, and she's talking about how like there's no there's no point living if she can't do the thing that she was doing. She can't pilot the Eva. And then uh, an agent from Nerve finds her and brings her back. There's a lot of quick stuff in this episode. Um, Shinji looking at. Uh, unit two asking about Asuka. This wiki suggests that he is considering telling Asuka about Ray. I don't remember him saying anything like that. He doesn't say it directly, but it does. I I think I can. I actually do buy that from context of things that he did say. There is 
there is a scene of him like thinking about her and like we get flashes of the the clones stuff i don't remember when that came if it was that early or if it was later it was that early okay i trust you yeah but the episode uh kicks oh yeah he talks about uh he sees like the mandelbrot set pool of water from the destruction and uh he's talking about like the houses that have been destroyed and people who have left because of it specifically toji and kinsuke then we hear a kid humming ode to joy which i didn't know the name of that song until now thank you for the wiki i recognize the song didn't know the of name course. of it yeah yeah but ode to joy and this is our introduction to the fifth child kaworu nagisa the new boy he knows shinji by name already he he's a whole deal this whole episode's gonna be long just because we're talking about fucking kaworu uh he's a he's immediately very nice to shinji and uh shinji blushes in one scene from the the niceness of kaworu like right out the gate there's a scene where Mistado's like the fifth child is arriving at the exact same time that asuka can't pilot that seems convenient she also finds it convenient that kaworu has a an incredibly high sync rate at his very first test. Fuski specifically says, like, this is weird that he's going so high with out changing the core of the Eva, which I don't know if we've dealt specifically with how the core of the Eva relates to the pilot. There's been a lot of gesturing towards Eva's having souls and shit. I don't know. And I've been intentionally vague as to not <laughs> be too specific to Chris, uh, but this episode is specific about it. Uh, but anyways, that happens. Koru meets Ray, and they have a conversation that makes more sense in retrospect. Koru keeps referring to people as li- like Lilum, like which is weird. We'll talk about it. And he seems to know that Ray is like him and like different. And then this is saying that this happens now. I don't know if this happens now. But Koru uh meets Shinji, who's like waiting for him i was gonna say after work i guess that's true but it seems weird in this context uh but like outside of nerve and uh they end up taking a public bath together and that's that's the big scene where kawori talks to him about like i don't even know how that conversation starts but i know like they're they're talking about like their relations to other people and kawori's like i think you are worthy of love shinji and shinji's like wait what what and Kuwaru, uh is like, I'll be more specific and say that I love you, Shinji. And that changes Shinji's whole life. They're talking about how well, Kawaru is on some like heady bullshit talking yeah. about like man's heart is fragile and that's why he experiences life as pain. And he goes, You in particular, your life is like gla- or your heart is like glass. And then yeah, Shinji's the like, What? Dialogue. And then that's when he says, like, your your heart is like it's fragile, like glass and worthy of love i love you blah blah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i couldn't remember how they got there but uh yeah the 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 man experiencing pain is particularly like specific <laughs> uh yes. but yeah Kaworu just shows up spouts a bunch of philosophy and says shenzi i love you <laughs> like every man in a fucking uh you know english college class that's fucking taking someone out to tea somewhere Kaworu is incredibly convenient for plot reasons and it weirdly lands in and in, in like the context of eva he's a little bit manic pixie angel dream boy <laughs> yes yeah yeah but i i i think it really works in the, in the greater context of 
what Eva is trying to process, like the show Eva, not the the robot. We'll talk about Kaworu plenty this episode. Um, but Shinji ends up staying with Kaworu instead of going home. He talks about like before he like he like a while ago he used to live with his teacher and he didn't interact interact with anybody. He's like I was fine with that. What did I specific? Oh yeah, he's like I did nothing but exist. That was fine, and I don't really. I'm I'm indifferent on people except for my dad who I hate. And he's like, I don't know why it's so easy to talk to you, Quarry. Like I'm so I don't know why I'm so open. This hasn't happened before. And he looks over at Quarry, who's just staring at him. A, a line that is very. Quarry says, "I was I I think I was born to meet you, Shinji," which is like, in like lore reasons makes sense a little much. <laughs> For 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 a guy to tell another for to to tell anyone, regardless of like, hey, I showed up. I decided I love you. I think I was born to meet you. Okay, but they give us enough um, context to what's really going on before that that you don't really think of it as being like, yeah, something's know, up with Kaworu because they say like almost right away that like his birthday is on the same day as the second impact. Yeah, so like by that time, instead of being like, wow, that's a weird thing to say, I'm just like, oh, he literally might have been born to meet him because he might be some yes. fucking experiment or whatever else. Like, yeah. Yeah, the show is, like, actively interrogating how convenient Kawori's whole deal is. Yeah, which is uh, smart, because then we're not doing it. Yeah, uh, or or we're doing it alongside the show, yeah, which yeah, I, think yeah, is, exactly. uh, I think works. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going off the wiki, so I think I missed the the specific line where she she's talking to Hyuga this whole episode, one of the guys who works at Nerve, but she's, like, working with him on, like, figuring out, hey, what, what is Kawori really like? Misato is. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're working together on that, but yeah, Masada's leading it, and they talk in the in the in the car about all they know about him is that his birthday is the same day as the the second impact. But yeah, so that that conversation between Shinji and Kawori happens where they're laying together, uh, well not together, but in the same room. They're the in way, like separate the beds, but the shot, beds are pushed up right next to each other. Yeah, well, look, Shinji's sleeping on the floor next to. Kawori's oh, it looks like bed. they were both in beds. It like it looked like they're on the same level. It might is that well. That's the thing. I think it's shot that way intentionally because it's from above, where they look next to each other, but they're uh, but they mention that Kaori's like, oh, I should be the one on the floor, and Shinji's like, no, I asked you if I could stay here, and then like from an, they cut to another angle where Shinji's looking up at Kaori. I think that's just a smart way of like playing with the space and their relationship because it does look like they're next to each other, but they're not. <laughs> Anyways, that scene's good, and. There's a bunch of shit happening with fucking Sile in this episode. Uh, they're trying to get nerve and like their plans away from Gendo. They they basically want to get Gendo back for advancing his own plans and not Sile's or Seal. I I was told I saw on the Discord that I'm still not saying it right. <laughs> so, so fuck it, I don't care. S E E L E, Sile maybe silly, calling it silly <laughs> from here on out. Uh, I'm not doing that. But uh, we then we cut to Gendo saying that we're, we're finally going to have our plans. We're, like, we're finally going to have what we want. He's talking to Unit 01. It's like, we're finally going to achieve what we've been going for. Uh, he looks at his hand. There's some weird fucked up shit on it, like an eyeball. We'll learn later in this episode what it is. Well, kind of gestures towards it. But then he refers to the, the robot as UA and that uh, they're going to get what they wanted this whole time. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, just a reminder in case anyone's forgot, UA is Shinji's mama. Yeah, yeah, we haven't said her name a lot since that episode, but um, yeah, Shinji's mom, 
He's tall. He's calling the robot. The Shinji pilots. Shinji's mom's name. Which makes sense. Sure does. And yeah, so then our, our next scene is Kaworu uh, standing on a, a statue in, in like that big pond thing again. Um, it's a lot of body of water beach imagery in this one. But yeah, he's standing there and he's uh, talking about, uh, yeah, the Lilin or Lilim. Um, it's just how he's describing humans, which already makes it fucking clear that maybe he's not one. Yeah. But yeah, he's uh, talking about how they would like to be gods, but they can't. And then the monoliths of, 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 of Sealy, of Silly, show up around him and talk to him about like, yeah, Gendo wants to be a god. He's doing all this fucked up shit to do that. Uh, they talk about some shit about moons. <laughs> I don't fully understand it myself. We should at least read it so that the audience has the same level of not understanding it that we do. They yeah. Say, uh, humanity as the progeny of Lilith born from the black moon are the usurpers of the children of Adam born from the white moon, the angels. I have no yes. fucking idea what that means, but that's what they say. So now you're caught up. The moon stuff, I think, is the so moon. weird. I, cause I, I, I think it's all imagery that ends up like in the, in the like deep lore that I kind of gloss over because I care about what shit represents in people in this show. Um, but basically, like, they're like, yeah, uh, humans came from Lilith and the angels came from Adam. And yeah, Lilith, I guess, comes from the black moon and Adam comes from the white moon. And yeah, they're like, yeah, hu humans have become more powerful than angels. I guess that's bad in their mind. Uh, and they're... And they say that uh, they tell Kawori that um, Adam's soul has been taken into Gendo. That's what the fucked up hand was. I forgot that he had the. I already forgot that he had the weird like tadpole shit earlier in the show. But that makes sense. And uh, they're like, "Hey, Kawori, you can do what we want you to do, so we can have control again." Uh, we see that Masada was spying on him, but I guess she can't see the monoliths. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, so I don't understand how they're talking to Koru, but I also don't care too much. I mean, I figure that Koru is weird enough that maybe it's like he can just see them in his mind when they communicate with him or some shit. Maybe they can like do it telepathically. And I don't know. Like they give themselves enough wiggle room that I'm also not that concerned, even though I'm like, well, I don't fucking get that. Yeah, it's like it's fine because from Masato's point of view, he's going out in the middle of nowhere to talk to himself, and we know that he's talking to the monolith, but she can't see them. And I'm like, well, if they could talk to him without other people knowing, why is he going in the fucking middle of nowhere to do it? <laughs> That's but I, true. But it's fine. Uh, he he looks, seemed to just like being out there. That's where Shinji first found him. Yeah. And uh, he looks back at her in her binoculars and she's like, there's no way he could have noticed me. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not true. She doesn't know she's in an anime. That's true. So, yeah, there's some more stuff with uh, Hyuga and Misato uh, learning that Kawaru can make his sync rate whatever he wants it to be. And Misato goes to talk to Ritsuko, and she says, oh, who, by the way, is, like, locked away in a big room with Nerf's logo in it, in which we see their, their like, tagline, which is, <laughs> God's in his heaven is all, and all is right with the world. Peanut butter's in its jar and all is right with the world. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the director's cut subtitle. I don't remember if we've talked about that line on the show before. Like, I don't know if it's, we've seen it. We have talked about it, but I don't know, like, to what extent you're talking about. I mean, I think it's just weird that that's, like, a subtitle to their fucking organization, their government <laughs> organization. Yeah. 
I just don't remember if we've seen it directly in the show, but if you if you yeah. remember it, then we have. Yeah. I, I skipped over, and by that I mean I guess the wiki also skipped over, uh, Gendo at the beginning of this episode talking to Ritsuko in uh, that, that holding cell as well. Basically asking, hey, why'd you fuck up the dummy plug? And she's like, I didn't. I destroyed all your clones of, of Rey. And he's like, same thing. Why'd you do it? And uh, she expresses like, you know, her, like, she can't be happy no matter what he does. She says a line that's like, do whatever you want with my body like you already did, which is heavy at the gate. Uh, and I don't remember how that scene ends. Like, I don't remember how Gendo ends that conversation. He says that, like, so she says, like, something about, like, him, like, how he won't hold her or something like that. And then says, like, you can continue to do what you want with my body, like, like, we, like we've done before, but something 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 and then he says like you've disappointed you had disappointed me and then she's like you have no expectations or hopes for me like how could i disappoint you and then yeah he like shuts off the lights and then she like cries like i don't know yeah and she's her lines are like asking her mother what she should do yes yeah yeah um but yeah we see her again later when she talks to ritsuko and or uh, misato talks to ritsuko and she ritsuko tells misato that koru might be the final angel and that's true like pretty much immediately the show's like yep that's it and then kawaru like activates unit zero and just takes it uh, down unit, unit zero two. Oh yeah unit zero two sorry asuka's one not ray's one the red one uh yeah so there's no pilot in it he just says all right you come with me and turns it on and takes it to starts going down like into towards central dogma and uh everyone's like oh shit that's bad how are they doing that does does oh they realize it's an angel oh okay guess i got it now this is an interesting line that like is kind of glossed over in the episode that the soul within unit two is like actively withdrawing which i think is why core is able to do this i'm not sure about that it says that it happened in response to the trauma from the asuka episode from the which i believe because i mean if asuka is experiencing that with the, like from like that trauma from the angel going into her mind I would imagine that the soul she's synced with is also experiencing that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I don't know what that says for the whatever souls in Unit Zero, but um, also I'm uh, highlighting over and it's telling me what the soul is. And I'm like, I know, I know. I don't know if we know on the show, but um, anyways. I don't know. I don't know shit. I know, but I don't remember why I know. It's just a thing that I know at this point. That's the thing with like revisiting Evangelion. I'm like, how much is this is in the show and how much do I just remember from talking about it which was kind of the thing about ua's soul being in unit zero one i'm like do they tell us or do i just know is it just hinted at they, well, they still times? haven't like they still haven't like said it said it but now it's looking pretty like yeah yeah at, at the very least you know that gendo thinks of that evangelion as yes. her, which like doesn't like confirm it because he could be like whatever but it does seem pretty likely based on things we talked about before mm-hmm yeah, Gen yeah, Gendo refers to the robot as her. She died in an Eva test, and, and Shinji has had a lot of visions of his mother when connected to the soul in the robot. So yeah. there it is. What's there's there oh yeah, at the beginning of this episode also like when Shinji's thinking about Rei, he he also starts talking about her and his mother 
in the same like thought he's like there's a yeah. resemblance between them he's like gendo what are you doing with them specifically there's there's like three or four mother things from different characters in the first like five minutes and i was yep. watching with my partner and my partner just goes why does everyone in this show have have issues with their mom gee who could say <laughs> yeah but it's it's yeah basically every character in this show for the first five minutes like talks about their mom and that's how we yeah. made in yeah, all all of these kids have parental trauma. Even if people that aren't kids, like Ritsko. Yeah, 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 ev- yeah. Everyone in this show has parental trauma. Period. I mean, I can assume Kaji does, because even though I don't know, yeah. I just based on statistic, it's statistically likely. Yeah, that that man's dad didn't like him. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, back to back to Nerve. They yeah they they realize that Corey was an angel. He's controlling uh Unit Zero Two, despite Asuka not being in it. No entry plug is in it. Fuchsky's like, hey, see, I think Seelay sent us this kid knowing it was an angel to, to, to fuck us up. And Gendo's like, well, fuck them. They're trying to advance their schedule, but we're going to try and maintain control. So they send Shinji down to to take out the angel. And Shinji's like, I don't believe you that Kuri was an angel. I like I'm <laughs> he's the first person to ever like me. Genuinely, the first person who's ever made me feel cared for i don't want to fight him but uh then he does and uh he's well he's fighting unit zero two while kawori just kind of floats there yeah uh, as they're going down this long shaft to to terminal dogma and uh he yells that kawori betrayed him specifically just like his dad did and uh yeah masato tells Hugo to blow up nerve if shinji fails Shinji apologizing to Asuka for having to fight Unit 2, which I, at first I was like, he doesn't think she's in there, does he? Which I don't, I think, don't he does. think so. I think it's more just like, I'm sorry he, that he, I have to destroy your big robot. He, he knows how much it means to her, I think is what it is, which is an interesting little note that like, despite everything, Shinji is like, oh, I know this robot means a lot to, to, to her. Which reminds me, I don't, I think it also was skipped over in this wiki, but in the, maybe because it is a director's cut edition, um, there's a scene in the first half, it's very quick, where Shinji, we, we see Shinji yelling at Asuka that Kaji's not coming back. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And there's like a quick cut of a spilled coffee pot. Yeah, and then she just tells him he's a liar, and then they cut away and never come back to it, so it's it's easy to forget. Yeah, I I remember it for other reasons, but it's uh part and also it being added in the director's cut. But it's yeah, I don't know when it, that's supposed to take place because I, I think it's I think it's like flashing through either Shinji's mind or Asuka's mind in one of those scenes. Yeah. Um, but just I remembered it because we're talking about Asuka. Yeah, so they're going down to Terminal Dogma. Kaori's basically kind of explaining his shit again shinji's like fighting the fighting unit zero two with they they each pull out their progressive knives and the knife ends up going towards kaworu but an at field shows up and that's kind of the the confirmation for shinji that he really is an angel he has an at field and kaworu goes back to his fucking philosophical shit where he's like everybody puts up barriers to the other people around him i'm like yeah all right i i know what the the fields represent well, and, wait, yeah. I took that. I took his whole speech literally. Like, it is literal. About, That's the like, thing about Evangelion. It is simultaneously literal and metaphorical. He says that like all 
life has an AT field because that's what separates one mind from the rest of the world. So, like, basically just, like, having your own individual sense of self is having an AT field. It's like... Yes. It's just that angels have particularly stronger ones. It's like, it's it's like yeah, that is all technically true if we're getting into the, the nitty-gritty lore details of Evangelion. But it's also, like, in broad strokes, talking about relationships with other people and, like, putting off, like... Like, some people have stronger barriers to to interact with other people. The last several angels have been about dragging out trauma and confronting feelings and the relationships you have with other people. And Kawori is no different. Anyways, but yes, that's the thing. It's, it's, taking it literally isn't wrong. It's just Kawori is this kind of this character who shows up and explains lore things and talks about philosophy and depression and tells Shinji that he's worthy of being loved and then well the rest of this episode happens it's kind of funny because like talking about it this character and everything he's doing seems like really silly but watching it you don't feel that at all not at all like it feels it feels serious and good and effective when you're watching it and relaying it back I'm like who is this weird fucker just, he just like, showed up now just, like, and just like smiles and rambles nonsense at Shinji and then like you know whatever but should it, not it, work it, on it paper it works, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, something about his his presence in the episode is arresting. It just works. So what happens next is that Kaworu makes his AT field stronger than any of them have ever been, and uh, now Nerve cannot monitor either of the Evas or Kaworu or anything. Uh, a second AT field within Terminal Dogma that neutralizes Kaworu's. I didn't put this together that. That was Ray doing that. I actually did. I was, I was happy with myself. I had paid enough attention to things earlier that I knew that that would be Ray. I mean, it makes sense because she does show up and we see her, but I didn't realize that had, that was happening. They had a scene earlier where, where is like, you're like me. So the only person yeah. I could think of that could have an AT field that could block his would be Ray. That makes sense. I think I just didn't realize that a second field showed up. Like, I think yeah. I just kept watching and missed that detail. Um, which Evangelion, it's really easy to miss one line of dialogue and just miss sure a vital is. thing and not understand shit after that. Yeah, yeah, we've 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 dealt with that because we're watching subtitles and also sometimes taking notes, which I did not take very many notes in this episode because I was just could not pull my eyes away. So yeah, so Ray's the second AT field. She she does stand above Terminal Dogma, watching this happen. When uh, because as we get down to the bottom, Kaori is like going over to the big figure. That's up on the cross, which we have occasionally called Adam. And Kawori is talking to it as Adam and then realizes it's actually Lilith. It's not Adam. Okay, I don't <laughs> I don't know what else to do with that information. Kawori is like talking about that. I don't know if you have any specific dialogue that was poignant to you, but he is, is he's talking about that. And then unit zero one shows up having defeated unit zero two. Yeah, it's cool because Unit Two, he like like pushes Unit Two down with like the knife in its face. Oh it's yeah, cool. it's, a, it's it's a great shot. So Shinji grabs Kaworu, a boy, in his giant robot hand, and um, I'm this this also is a pretty heavy conversation that has implications. Where he's like, I almost wish I had all the dialogue written down in front of me because Kaworu is saying that like, hey, you should just kill me and end this. You know, I, if, if I have what I like, if I have what I have, or if I win, then one type of hope goes forward into the future. Uh, or if you win, yours does. And I think yours is better. 
so you should just kill me. I he's like I will exist forever if I either way, but I can die. So give me the aton like the let me have the choice to die. Fucking oh yeah the other he's like he says that he, uh, Shinji made his life worthwhile that he was able to to have I don't know the last twenty minutes. Yeah, which is like what makes him apparently decide that humanity deserves to live over the angels. Yeah. He looks up at Ray, who's also watching. Yeah, he explains. Yeah, so only the angels or humanity can go forward. He wants humanity to do it. There's a long shot of just the angel, that just Eva Owan holding Kuorio. Long doesn't cover it. I don't it's, know how. I should have timed it. It's like maybe it's, a solid minute. It's so long that so we're just watching it for a long time, and then Cat's like. Is this frozen or is it doing this? I was like, no, 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 it's just doing this, like real confident. I was like, I've seen this show before. He's like, rendered. And then I'm glad that you going, know. And then it keeps going. And I'm like, well, now it's starting to shake my confidence because it's been so long now that maybe it is frozen. And then right when I said that, then the next uh, thing happens. Yeah, which is, I think, just a hard cut to black with the sound of definitely him dying. The only visual we see is like the silhouette of definitely a head falling into the water. And then the next scene is... He pops that boy's head off like a fucking daisy. Yeah, it pops. We see Machado and Shinji sitting on a beach. Um, in Shin- like where, they f- where Shinji first met Kaworu. Th- this, I-, I missed any dialogue from her because the wiki is saying that she's trying to convince Shinji that it was necessary to do that, to kill him. And That's, that's kind of not... What did she say? It's like kind of like that, but it's kind of not like that. I don't remember it's what she like... says. He's talking about how, like, he wishes that, that Kaori could have survived because he's, like, the only person that's ever said anything nice to him. Yes. And um, Masato says, like, something about how, like, no, it's good that this happened. And then Shinji's like, how can you be so cruel? Okay. Yeah, I don't, I completely blanked on all of her dialogue from that scene, but because I just remember Shinji's talking about, like, he was the first person to be nice for me. He's the first person to genuinely tell me that he loved me. It made me love him back. Uh, he saw me as an actual person and not an object to advance something like a, a anything else. And uh, I guess that's the end of the episode. Yep. Uh, and then so the uh, the next time on preview is also storyboards. Again. And it was cool. And this time I did see what you were saying. Where I was like, OK, yeah, this this clearly was stuff that I just had already made for the episode. But it's still really cool. These, these look much less polished than the last ones also. Yeah, like, this one looks more, like, like the last one was, like, I, I could have bought that as, like, they just did a cool thing, but this is, like, no, they, like, they didn't have time to prepare the actual, like, animatics, so they just, like, used this instead. But it's still cool. I like it. Yeah, uh, so just real quick, the director's cut differences, uh, the, the coffee pot and the talking about Kaji's death was added, the, uh, embryo of Adam on Gendo's palm was added, which oh, presumably, which presumably, like, important. I, I, I'm guessing that he still talked to the robot there and called it UA. It's just the hand that's added. Uh, I guess Koru talking to Ray about being the same as him is expanded. Which, I mean, even with that, I didn't realize that the fucking, that she was negating his field. But yeah, I, so like without, it was like the non-director's cut version, like comprehensible at all? Probably. Like, that's the thing is like, I, there's a lot of like gesturing towards things that aren't, like even even with these added details, it's just like, a stronger gesture 
But that's what I mean is like I, I still don't understand having watched the clearer version, so I can't imagine watching the version that didn't have those things in it. Yeah, this this is a very fucking dense episode. Uh, I like it. Uh, and then uh, I did too. I thought it was good. Uh, apparently, the entire scene with Kaworu talking to the monoliths was added. Oh, which seems pretty vital. Which I think the thing, I think the original episode was just more abstract and just like not as worried about specific lore details. Just like here's people dealing with shit and shit just keeps happening. And uh, I guess this one was like here's some more details to, to I'm ground happy it. They- I'm happy they gave us crumbs of understanding. Personally, I'm I'm happy they take they threw those yeah. to us. I like yeah, I like everything that was added. Um, uh, apparently the Lilith's design is slightly changed because, which I guess this confirms to me that we did watch the director's cut. Uh, because the Lilith regrowing when the lance is removed seems to be a yeah. director's cut add to episode oh, twenty two. Okay. So that was updated to match that. So. One of our longer recaps. <laughs> well, uh, actually, it really probably wasn't. We spent about 10 minutes bullshitting beforehand. And that's then, true. So it's probably about the same half hour recap. But yeah, regardless. So, OK, I'm going to I'm going to just get I, out. I, a... I was kind of prepared for this to be our longest episode yet. And I have a feeling our next one will also be very long. I'm going to I I have a new problem with this that I didn't have while watching it that I kind of do now after reading the wiki and it like kind of it's making something more clear it's, it's a it's a very different experience to watch and let it wash over you than it is yeah. to grapple with what is happening yeah so talk to me i and i'm not gonna and i'm not gonna say that like there's no way that this could still kind of work I'll, I'll get into it i just stopped burying the lead i think it's weird mm-hmm. that at least the wiki if not the entire show in its own text is saying that like the time with Shinji made the difference between I'm going to kill all of humanity and actually I'm not going to. Because because of the fact that he's so chummy with Shinji immediately. And so I what I'm saying is like, I guess you could say that like that's just like, you know, the personality and like he was like, Oh, this human is cool and interesting. I'm still going to kill them all, and then later decides not to. But like to me, it seemed like whatever change would have happened just like didn't it just was there like him liking and admiring shinji seemed to be like it right off the bat the second they meet so i don't really buy that as like a change but mm-hmm. i'm also recognizing that it's possible that like the demeanor could still be the same but the motivation and like the internality can can change i don't know it's weird though don't you think like i don't know how whole... much time is passing is like the my biggest question mark is i'm just like how long did they actually was it just the one day and we saw like it two conversations like it. through it <laughs> it seems like it because this thing it all moves very quickly which is why like yeah. there is there is some debate about like everyone talks about how core is the one person to love shinji even though like this isn't particularly a healthy relationship it's just a little bit nicer to him than every other one he has yeah that's super fair uh because the thing is kawori is too convenient he is like intentionally a plot device to base like to move along seals plot uh and to tell shinji hey you are good enough to love you just have had a really bad fucking lot in life and shinji still has to kill him because he is being used by someone else like is and i do think the show is actively interrogating why the fuck is this kid just so fucking convenient like he shows up the right time fucks everything up and the lore reason is Sile makes him do it. And that's the thing. I don't know if he's interacted with any human before that. He's an angel. And then Sile was like, hey, go 
go make uh, the world end, but in our way and not Gendo's way. And he's like, okay. And then he actually meets Shinji and is like, hey, you're not so bad. You, you, like, you're struggling pretty hard, actually. Maybe I won't ruin your life because there are people like you who exist. I just feel like there was no, there was nothing else other than, hey, you're not that bad. It's not like their first interaction is like, he seems to immediately be like, oh, humans are cool and I'll talk to them and have an extended conversation while singing one of their songs about whatever. I don't know. That's yeah, my I, personal thing. Yeah, the, the first scene with Shinji is like, he's like, oh, yeah. Hi, Shinji. I know you. And everyone knows you because you're cool and important and you should know that. Yeah, like, that's literally like where they start. Is yeah, like, like he's like, hey, you're really important. Everyone kind of knows who you are. And Shinji just like is in no way subscribing to that belief. He's like very he feels very, very small. I don't know if we're just supposed to see that disconnect between like Shinji is not subscribing to image of famous mech pilot who has saved the world 16, not 16, 14 times. And I that's a stretch, <laughs> but uh i guess i could see it that way are we supposed to understand how sele or whatever like ha- has like access to and control over an angel supposedly no. the last angel okay cool know. just making sure because like that doesn't make any fucking sense but like maybe i mean we'll if we there. do i don't <laughs> yeah okay but cool they the thing is yeah the 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 broad strokes is they know how to achieve what is called instrumentality from the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's my understanding of it. And they're like, hey. We don't know what the fuck that means yet either. It's fine. Right? That's fine. But basically, okay. it's what, yeah, it's it's what they want. And they talked in the last episode for like two seconds that, all right, destroying all the angels and then we'll get what we want. So I guess they know that they need the other angel. I don't understand the the the, the lore proppings of how they do it or I'll why. I'll wait and see. I just I'll wait know, and see if they. I just know what happens. Yeah. Um, and I know what it means to the people involved. And that's kind of what I care about. <laughs> I also think that the idea, okay, the idea of like sending in someone who looks like a human and is actually an angel as the last angel and having him get so close to all that feels right to me as the like, that's the last angel. And now the last two episodes are going to be other stuff. But that's interesting because like during that whole thing, even though they say like, I think this is the final one and like whatever else, like when shinji kills him it's so much more about the like the personal thing that like it didn't feel at all like they destroyed all the angels and so that makes me feel like there might still be they might be wrong there might be like another one out there still which is interesting yeah there's a lot going on because it is like there's there's the plot underpinnings of like the final angel and everyone having these different goals the final angel contributes to and all like the inner machinations of Sile and Gendo's plans. And meanwhile, I'm just like, uh, Shinji has to process an entire emotional arc in 20 minutes where <laughs> yeah. someone finally uh, shows him genuine love. And then he realizes that their intentions are against his own. Uh, and then he's like, Hey, I'm just a pawn in someone else's plan. You can kill me. And Shinji's like, I know I just said that you portrayed me the way that, my dad did, but I don't actually want to kill you. So I'm going to think about it for 69 seconds and then do it. <laughs> and it's. Yeah, that shot's really great. Oh, I love it. It's it's yeah. very evocative, Um, which it's that's really the thing good. about like this episode where I'm just like, yeah, 
the emotional beats land. It's very yep. evocative. It's yeah. great to look at. Could I explain to you any, <laughs> the answers to any of these questions? Fuck no. I, I, I feel like like most things on this show, like I understand like the very surface of it. I understand enough like, oh, like he's actually like an angel and he's doing this and he wants this, blah, blah, blah. But I couldn't uh, I couldn't explain to you what all the fucking moon shit means and nope. or, like whatever else. Like, yeah. But like, again, it's, I have enough. Yeah. If I if I didn't, I wouldn't I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Yeah. And that conversation with like, like the moon shit and whatever, I'm like, I'm kind of fine not following. It's like it's just like this feeling of like this Lovecraftian bullshit washing over me that there's things I can't understand that I'm kind of fine with, which I'm maybe I mean, definitely isn't for everyone. Well, and it works in two ways is that like one is like you said, it's like it's like this like big like larger than humanity to begin with things so that like kind of like makes it feel like okay to not understand and then also there's a level of the fact that like the characters that are always talking about this dead sea scroll bullshit are people that like are supposed to know more than we do like the and gendo and all those people so like that also helps like the way they like present your lack of understanding feels appropriate for where we are in the story and where our like perspective level is with characters like shinji and stuff yeah it works yeah I hope that someday I understand more than I currently do, but I'm recognizing more and more now that we're almost to the end of that it just might not happen, but I'm also okay with that too. He decided at some point that, you know, oh, so here's what Lilith and Adam, like they're the first two things that existed. And, you know, one is the source of all people. One's the source of angels. There's these two forces that are going at each other forever. Uh, they're born from different moons that like just literally just moons that existed. And now have these things and now you know fast forward however many years and like it's just an origin story it's just like a religion thing yeah and it's like I, it's 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 weird to get a huge info dump of it from these 12 monoliths speaking Blocks. to and, and we're trying to process this through like their history with gendo and trying to learn about kuori and just a lot at once like what the fuck does Lilo mean <laughs> and the whole time i'm like but is it the french one saying it or the german one yeah I, I've never gotten deep into those details with this show. Like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I care about if Yue is in the in, in Eva 01 or not because of what it means to Shinji. <laughs> and yeah. like, and like, and like what it means for how Gendo treats people in his life. Yeah. When we're all done, all done, I'm probably going to like deep dive into like theories and explanations and stuff. But for now, I'm, I'm with you. It's like all I care about is like the, the emotional resonance of, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. If if you mean done with the TV show, I'm like, oh, you're going to get into, like, the different timelines and shit and, like, di various different alternate universes and shit. Uh, we got to make sure we watch the Evangelion Schick ad because they did a an ad oh, where, yeah, where Gendo shaves, that, yeah. uh, <laughs> which for some reason is on Letterboxd. <laughs> That's amazing. There's a sm small detail I want to make sure I mention. I... They did such a great job of portraying what a bad state Asuka's in at the start of this. Oh, like, absolutely. When, when she's in the bathtub and they cut into like her profile and her face is all gaunt, you like you feel so bad for her because like she's like literally like physically unwell. Like you, like she oh, yeah. looks terrible. Like she they they say that she was missing for seven days. Which is weird because like how did it take them seven days to find her? Uh Misato says that it, she worries that it might have been on purpose because she's deemed unfit to pilot the same day that the that Kawori shows up. So maybe she was just left to like they were like, eh, if we leave her alone for seven days, she'll sink into a pit and it'll be fine. Um but yeah, like 
it seems like she probably wasn't taking care of herself for seven days. Yeah. And yeah, her face is like sunken in. It's uh, it's heavy that. Yeah, she's just completely uh, it's it's, it's interesting, too, because I thought that she was just kind of out of commission after she has the angel like invade her mind. I forgot that, like, insult to injury, she does try to pilot again and can't. Yep. Which is, like, so much worse. And at some point in all this, learns that Kaji's not around anymore, who is obviously an important person to her. Yes, yeah. Yeah, bad times for fucking Asuka. Yeah, I kind of forgot that she was even in this fucking episode until I rewatched it. But yeah, like, with not a lot of time, they show you just how low she is. And I guess it's important because it is, like, the reason Kaworu has a uh, has a robot to pilot so yeah i it's interesting i'm just looking at the wiki right here and it's like we're we're actually like very close to like anniversaries of when these were airing like we might end up synced up with one eventually because like this episode we just watched today on march 21st aired on march 13th 1996 yeah uh yeah episode 25 is on the 20th and episode 26 is on the 27th so like if we want to record early we could (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, we could line up with the finale. I'm just a sentimental bitch. I just want the fucking the, the the synchronization rate to be high. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. I think in the Februarys, where I was like, "Oh, we're like around the thing," and I was like, "But these are weekly, and uh, our our show is biweekly, so it probably won't yeah. happen." But I mean, here we are. I have a question about um, the beginning of the episode uh, as well. Okay, separate, separate from the Oscar stuff, but kind of related because she's in like a destroyed house, and then. Shinji is like, oh, like, here's a big destroyed place, and uh, Toji and Kensuke uh, had to leave from here. They had to leave their home or whatever. Which angel incident caused that destruction that we're seeing the remnants of in this? Probably the most, probably the Mandelbrot's that one. <laughs> but, like, okay, hold on. We just watched this. What was that one? That was uh, with the big, with the big white line ghost thing, right? I believe so. That was, when we, yeah, that was when we talked about it. Because, uh, it, yeah, it leaves the... When it explodes, it leaves the shape of that. Oh, that's right, and it blew up. Okay, that's what, that's what I was confused about, because I felt like in my in my memory that that fight didn't cause that much destruction, so I was confused when they're like, everyone had to leave. I was like, why? But you're right, the, the whole fucking thing blew up at the end of that. I forgot mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah, it's because yeah, when we're watching that, that's not really the detail we're focused on. It's like, <laughs> no, oh, we're, it we're turns about... into a fucking weird white girl and then blows yeah. up. <laughs> it has a halo. Yeah. What does this shit mean? Yeah. Okay, so what so okay, so you said that all they did in Netflix was like they they cut out the like I love you and made it like I grace you. Like what uh, did they do? It's I well, yeah, so Kawari says you are worthy of my grace, which I think is more focused on him than it is the fact like Shinji being worthy of being loved. I mean that that translation, that line makes more sense when you look at Korra as a fucking angel. Yeah. But yeah, it's less re- resonant with like Shinji's stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's the, that's that's the I think the the English dubbed. I think the subtitles just say like instead of love. Which uh, I'm looking down here in the references of the wiki. It seems like the original, V like the original like VHS release had like, and then the version that we're watching the the, the what is called the platinum release, the DVD box set, uh, that has the director's cuts uh, says love, and so does the English dub. And on Netflix, they went back to like again. But what's interesting is that like that Netflix release was translated by uh, Kara Incorporated, K-H-A-R-A, which is Anno's company. So 
So it's not uh-huh. like like I kind of trust that <laughs> of, of of them choosing to do that. But uh, I guess it says their their own official translator has defended this change and the ambiguity from the original, like the ambiguity it retains from the original text. Which like, okay, sure. I just think that like regardless of anything else, I just don't think that scene is as strong if he just says I like you. I agree. I, I like because it. there's a part of it that, that that I think works well with how weird it is that this person he just met is like I love you Shinji. Like like I feel like it loses something not only in terms of Shinji being able to be like someone expressed love to me, but I think it's also just like how strange the encounter is. Like I feel like you lose that if it's like, like you could buy someone meeting you in a day and saying they like you, mm-hmm. but like I don't know. Well, that's the thing too. Like I think with I'm I'm looking at all the relationships Shinji has had in this show. I still think Kawori saying I like you. You're worthy. You're worthy of people liking you. Is still probably more than he's ever gotten. <laughs> no, yeah, it's still good. I just think it works a little bit better to have like the extreme expressed. Well, well that's no, that's the thing too. Is like it's not even so much subtext because in that scene, Kawori Holt like grabs his hand and like holds his hand when they're in the yeah, bath yeah. together. Um, yep. it's 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 pretty uh like pointed. What um I think that scene is like, or how that scene can be read. Yeah, so that's kind of the end of it. But still, a lot of people have taken it that way for the whole, like, the past 20 years, so. I had a thought that I don't know if um, other people had or if you had. When they first showed Koru's face, I thought he kind of looked like Shinji. Like, and I wondered if that was, like, intentional. Like, they, their faces and they're, like, they just, like, they, the hair is like is, like, different. But I feel like their faces looked similar enough that I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if that, like, means something. I don't know if I've ever seen Shinji smile, so I can't well, compare. that's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I mean, kind of similar. I've never considered it as, like, if it means anything or if it's intentional so much as, yeah, they're both teenage boys. Yeah. So in the scene with the the monoliths, in the, well, you got, there's a lot of those, the scene with uh, Kaworu at the lake with the monoliths, uh-huh. he is standing on that statue and talking to them. I don't remember if it's his line now or the... I think it's the monoliths that say one of them uh, because they're talking about, they use the word hope a lot. Um, talk, oh, talking yeah. about like them. They're like what Gendo wants to do skips like, like his resolution skips hope like his, his ending of the, what the scrolls are telling them to do the way he'll do it. Doesn't have hope the way that C- what Seelay wants to do will. What I find really interesting about this show and, and, this really pointed line in this episode is I think it's either, I think it's the monolith that says it, but like there are as many forms of hope as there are people. Yes. Yeah. Which was, I like that line. That's good. I like that line a lot because it is too like, yeah, Gendo's doing a bunch of fucked up shit and what he is trying to do looks like hope to him. Yeah. And what Seelay is trying to do still fucking everybody up, ruin a bunch of people's lives. That looks like hope to them. Um, and they're, I don't know, a committee of a bunch of, people in power Legos. probably not good <laughs> yeah uh and, and kawori was like hey if if humans have people like shinji who are like i mean it's it's hard to it's it's hard to look at just this episode and try and think what would kawori actually see in shinji when in reality the show is like asking us what we see in shinji <laughs> uh and like how he got here from from point A to point B, and it's like he's pretty much ex- exclusively been a victim. And the show's like, hey, despite all that, 
you are still worthy of someone caring about you. And I have decided that I care about you now. And uh, seeing that side of Shinji where he suddenly opens up to this person and is like caring for Kaworu, like back, back, caring back for him. Um, and Kaworu deciding that like, hey, if you exist in humanity, I think I choose that form of hope. I think I choose Shinji's form of hope. And I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, as, as a message within like all this stuff of, of Evangelion is like, like what drives people to do things they do. Uh, I read an interview in my, my, my Ano deep dive recently where he, he doesn't really like definitive, like, and I think this is clear too from his work that like, he doesn't like definitive answers. He like, cause life doesn't have definitive answers. People don't have definitive answers. Like he, he intentionally makes his art in such a way where there, it is kind of in a gray area. There isn't a black and white. Um, like there isn't, yeah, what Gendo's doing is bad and what Steel is doing is good or what Shinji's doing is good. It's just, it's all vague because people are not that simple. But, uh, I really like how that line specifically speaks to it. The, the forms of hope as, as, yeah. as many forms of hope as there are people. So I think it's just like, yep, that's, that's a, like a pivotal part of what drives this show forward and how these characters interact with each other. Korra's cool. Cause like you get that kind of stuff you get all the lore dumps you get his like very like uh intimate thing with shinji and then you also get really cool action stuff where he's floating around outside the robot while the robots are fighting each other and there's a dick falling down a big tunnel and like whatever else like yeah yeah they got a lot of mileage out of this one boy absolutely yeah it is that that's the thing like yeah kawaru is just such as as vital of a part to evangelion in a lot of people's eyes myself included as ray or asuka <laughs> And it's weird that, like, he is only in the one episode. Yeah. Alive, anyway. I'm sure we'll see his image in the next two. I don't remember. Yeah, there's only one other thing that I can think of that I, I wanted to talk about, and it's very, it'll be very brief, because it'll just be like, yeah, Gendo sure does suck, huh? <laughs> um, but the fact that we learn in this episode that he not, like, like, you know, for sure, I think we've had, like, hints at it before. But, like, the fact that, like, he seems to have had a relationship with both Ritsuko's mom and Ritsuko is just, like, Boy, that's messed up. It seems like he has in some way had power over every woman he's ever interacted with. Yeah. Is at least that has been named on the show. But yeah, no, he sucks. Yeah. Sucks he's real bad. bad. He's a ba- he's a bad man. He's bad a man. Garbage boy stinkman, as Riley Hopkins says. Mm-hmm. Zero out of think, ten. I don't think he and Masato seem to have had any sort of relationship, but like pretty much everyone else. Yeah. She seems to not interact with him that much at all she's she's basically interacting with another shitty man so yeah who also is like does a lot of bad things and also a lot of good things <laughs> yeah gendo i think it's the only thing we've ever seen him remotely do decent was like he helped in like one episode yeah because like it, i remember it was important that shinji saw him do one good thing uh-huh yeah well and also you could say like when he tries to like save ray's life a few times like that counts. yeah his his like relationship with Ray is so weird. Where I'm just like, I don't even know if I consider that good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because he has this weird obsession with her and recreating her over and over again, and she kind of looks yeah. like his dead wife. That's fucking weird. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, also his dead wife's not a robot, and he has a hand in, in or an eye in his hand, which was my my whoa what the fuck moment for this episode. I did not remember that, and that might be yeah. because it's director's cut, or it just doesn't really matter or come up again but it is interesting that like part of his plan involves him it's like weird because i'm thinking about like the moving parts and all these different names of things and i'm just like he wants to be a god 
he yeah. wants to, he he wants he wants to be in full control of everything to to that extent and this committee of people who hide behind monoliths are like no us Kaloriu, go fuck everything up us us gods not him godhood godhood by committee i'm making myself laugh because i'm imagining like when he's always got his hands in front of his mouth that he's been whispering to the eye this whole time oh my god <laughs> You know, I never consider. I wonder how long he's had that there, because right. he because he keeps doing that. Uh, it's fucked up. He's just like, "Hi, Adam. How are you in there?" I'm okay. <laughs> Have we reached instrumentality yet? <laughs> no, no, but I, soon. Maybe soon. <laughs> You're so much cooler than my son, eyeball in hand. Christ. <laughs> well, that's all I had to say about this this good episode with the hour long still frame. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we, we said a lot of our ideas like while recapping it, um, yeah. which happens. Because I was like, I was, I was like, I don't know if this episode's going to be an hour, hour and a half. But uh, yeah, so next time we will be doing 25 and 26 together. I, I just don't see a point in separating them considering I know what, like, I, I think they are a pair for a lot of reasons. They, they, I, I want to talk about them as a pair of episodes. Oh, so, so next time we record, we're finishing the show. Yes. Oh damn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but the the television show. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh 20, 20 episode 25 uh written exclusively by Ano, uh directed exclusively by uh well, Ano's the chief director for the whole show, but the main episode director being uh Kazuya Suramaki, who is a name that I probably will continue talking about on this show because he's a, a pretty pivotal part of uh Evangelion. And the final episode, 26, uh, written exclusively by Ano and directed by Suramaki and Masayuki, who's another. Those are, the, those are kind of the, the three big people involved in Evangelion. Ano is like the chief director and like visionary behind all of it. But Ano like never directs alone. So Suramaki and Masayuki are, are names that we'll talk about a little bit more. Suramaki a little bit more because of his relationship with Gynex and Diebuster, but we'll get into that later. I guess, uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this episode? Have you said it all, or just... Uh... I'm kind of just curious how you feel going into the ending of the show, like the definitive last 45, 50 minutes of the show. I guess I feel like excited. I think it helps that we've recorded these two episodes like so quick together because now I could feel the momentum building. That's that's true. Yeah, end. we have uh, we we normally like we this we recorded twenty three like what four days ago, three days ago. Yeah, which we don't normally do, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to to see where it goes. I I was not like I didn't realize that we were gonna. I forgot that we were gonna do the last two together. It's like oh shit, we're like we're doing it. It's gonna be yeah. over soon. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, everyone, just cutting in real quick in the edit to remind y'all about the mailbag episode we're going to do because I forgot to, like, call for questions uh, when we recorded this episode. Uh, but just a reminder of ways you can send those questions in. Uh, you can drop them in the Orange Groves Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can also find a link on the podcast network website, theorangegroves.com. Um, you can go to the channel for Nervous Rex and at me with them put them behind spoiler tags if you need to um hi mouse uh, you can also dm them to me on twitter i'm on twitter at ghost of joe ghost of jo all one word you could also tweet them if they're not spoilers with hashtag nervous rex pod 
or DM me. I think you. I think my DMs are open on Discord. If you're in the server, if you're in the Orange Grove server, multiple ways you can get them to us. Uh, we don't have an email though. Uh, so yes, please get us uh, any of those questions you have for our mailbag episode. We will be doing it after episodes twenty five and twenty six, and before end of Eva, and then after end of Eva, we'll be doing Gunbuster and Diebuster and. Uh, the rebuilds. I'm looking forward to all of it. Yeah, I'm gonna l- go back to us with the regular plugs, but um, uh, please send us those questions and uh, also stay safe and stuff. Chris. Yep. <laughs> Am I Caitlin now? I I didn't intend for that, but after a pause, <laughs> I figured I was like, I guess I'm supposed to wait for you to yeah. say yes, and then I ask you. I don't know. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on the internet? At Topher Disgrace with uh, hold on a second. Two R's. Wait. That's a Caitlin joke. What? Where are the R's? <laughs> uh, one at the end of Topher, and one after the G in Disgrace. Okay. That, I mean, that phrase just implies that there's two R's next to each other. You've, you've gotten me with your ruse. <laughs> you have, I don't fucking know. What, are, what, what other shows you got to plug? You got anything going on at the beginning no. of April? <laughs> Not really. I mean, well, uh, at the beginning of April. Weird. I know it's hard to look that far ahead, especially now. But I mean, like, I'm hoping to have my like uh, wrestling twine game out by then. But I don't fucking nice. know. I don't wanna make any promises. All right. Well, I guess we'll just have to follow you on Twitter and stay in the fucking know. I guess so. You can find me on social media, Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J O, with two O's in the spots that you would expect them. And let's. This is the beginning of April, so I'm gonna plug my other anime show. We are watching One Piece, a rewatch podcast for the anime called One Piece. Our March episode was the end of Saba Odi. Uh, we talked for three and a half hours. I don't know what that final edit is gonna look like because I'm not doing it. Uh, but uh, also our April episode is gonna be all of Amazon Lily. If you watch One Piece, you know what these words mean. Um, if not, go watch One Piece and listen to our podcast about it uh but yeah i'm looking forward to to talking about amazon Lily. a lot of fucking shit happens in that uh i like one piece quite a bit and uh my co-host on that show jory uh will be joining us for our gunbuster episode oh cool uh probably i think our our 2.0 episode the second rebuild movie we've been lining up some guests for these movies i'm looking forward to it we'll be back next time with 25 and 26 which is the end of Evangelion, but not the movie titled The End of Evangelion. God. What's the end of this show? Goodbye. <laughs> uh, re- nice iTunes reviews are, are good. Raider you know, I, I don't want to keep going back to this well, but I will say that while we were recording, I was looking around Kat's office because I'm quarantining, he quarantining in Michigan, and I saw a thing that says, it actually says, have you seen me? But I thought it said, have you seen men? <laughs> Uh, well, I haven't. Uh, not lately, for sure. But I don't. Yeah, I, don't I don't know if there's going to be any left in America. <laughs> I don't think so. Bye, everybody. Bye.